0: Hello, Chapel Roswell. I'm Harvey West, and it's good to be with you, even if it's in these circumstances with no one around to share in fellowship. You know, it's not true because Job said it, but Job said it because it's true. Human beings, he said, are born to trouble as sparks fly upward. What he's really saying is that life is not a bottle of perfume by a long sea mile. As soon as you matriculate in the university of life, you discover that one of the required courses is called trouble. T-R-O-U-B-L-E. And we all know it. We all have to deal with it. And in this year, in 2020, we've been hit with it like a ton of bricks. First, there was a, a pandemic pandemic. And uh, the trail of death and destruction that came with it. Hundreds of thousands of lives have been lost. Hundreds of thousands. That boggles the mind when you think about it. And in its wake is economic devastation, destruction. People have lost their jobs. Uh, Businesses have folded and have some of them have even closed. Trouble. T-R-O-U-B-L-E. And then to add to that, in addition to that, in these past few weeks, we've seen a a new surge of, uh, of racial turmoil, all because we haven't yet learned how to confront racism in this country, which is a surprise when you really think about it, because one of the core values of this United States of America is Equality, uh, the recognition that all persons are of equal worth in the sight of God. You know, it's even in our Declaration of Independence. and In a few days we'll be celebrating uh, Independence Day. And uh, we need to think about that. You remember those words? We learned them in school. Uh, We hold these truths, truths to be self-evident that all people are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And we say that And we wave our flags and we're very proud to be Americans and we should be because America's a great place to be. And that's a great principle. It's a great value to have. But sometimes we've said it and our actions have not gone along with what we believe. There's a story that comes out of England uh, about two uh, of London street people who wandered into one of their great cathedrals one day. And they went into one of the chapels there and uh, knelt down to pray together. Well, just as they had knelt down to pray, who should come in but the duke himself? And uh, when one of the fellows saw who it was, he turned to the other one and said, Charlie, Charlie, get up. It's the duke. But the duke would have none of it. He walked over to Charlie, put his hand on his shoulder and said, Stay right where you are, Charlie, for here. There are no dukes, and it's true. It's true, and in the chapel of humanity, there are no dukes. There are no no people who are of different worth than other people. All persons are created equal in the sight of God, we say. Until we learn to practice what we preach, we'll have trouble, T-R-O-U-B-L-E. In the old Saturday Evening Post magazine, there was a cartoon that showed a a man being rescued from an island, a tiny island out in the middle of the ocean. He had obviously been shipwrecked, and uh, uh, it showed the rescue boat over in the the side, and this fellow was on the island, and he was dressed in his rags. He'd been there for some time, obviously. And the sailor, one of the sailors who was part of the rescue team was standing before him and he, he was handing him uh, a bunch of newspapers and the caption underneath the cartoon said, these are compliments of the captain. He wants you to read the headlines and then decide if you really want to be rescued. Well, sometimes it might be good if we could get away from it all. But we can't until God rescinds the wonderful gift of free will that he's given to us and makes puppets out of us so we do whatever he wants us to do. Until God is willing to do that and take away our freedom and take away who we really are, then we're going to have trouble because trouble is... uh, comes when people make wrong decisions and not everyone makes the right decisions in this world. Trouble, T-R-O-U-B-L-E. We all face it. We all have to deal with it. We all have to live as adult children of God in this world. But alongside that rather sad and disconcerting word, there's another one. And this is the gospel For today, I want you to listen to me. We're in the good news business in the church, not the bad news business. And we have a word from Matthew's gospel that affirms some things that Jesus Himself told us in many different ways. As I read these words, I want you to listen for the Word of God, the message of God that comes to us through them. Try to think metaphorically if you can. Try to hear what God is saying to us through these words of Matthew, the message that is here. It's a passage that's familiar to everyone. It comes from the 14th chapter of Matthew, beginning with the 22nd verse. Right then, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead to the other side of the lake while he dismissed the crowds. When he sent them away, he went up into a mountain by himself to pray. Evening came and he was alone. Meanwhile, the boat, fighting a strong headwind, was being battered by the waves and was already far away from land. Very early in the morning... He came to his disciples walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. They were so frightened, they screamed. And just then, Jesus spoke to them, Be encouraged. It's me. Don't be afraid. Peter replied, Lord, if it's you, order me, order me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come and then Peter got out of the boat and was walking on the water toward Jesus but then when Peter saw the strong wind he became frightened and he began to sink he shouted Lord rescue me Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him saying you man of weak faith why did you begin to have doubts when they got into the boat the wind settled down then those in the boat worshiped Jesus and said, you must be God's son. What a great, what a great story that is. And what a message it carries uh, for us in this day when we're, we're facing so much trouble, so many storms out there on the ocean or the sea of life. What it says to us is that when the, when the storm gets the, the hardest and the roughest, the Lord's going to come to us. The disciples were out there in their little boat and the wind was blowing and the boat was rocking and they were frightened as we all are when we face the storms of life. But even though they had to fight the battle, even though they were in the storm, when it got bad, Jesus came to us. He came to them. He always does. He's always in us. Some people look around the world at the things that are happening. And they don't believe that. They say, where is God in all of this? They look at the pain and the death and the destruction, and they want to know where God is. Well, God, God, let me share a story with you. God is present in his people. Let me share this story. It comes from the pandemic itself. It was, it's about a woman who lost her husband. Uh, the last few weeks of his life, she wasn't even able to see him in the hospital room. And it was a, it was a bad time. And uh, he finally died, and she was filled not only with grief, but with anger and with bitterness. Well, she, he finally died, and she spent the uh, required amount of time in isolation herself. And then her pastor came to see her. He wanted to bring her some word of, hopefully, of comfort. Uh, they still wore the mask, and they still kept the required six feet apart. But he sat down with her as he went into the as he went into her house. he noticed that she had the television set on she was watching it and and it was showing all of the devastating things that were happening because of the pandemic there was a, there were the the mass graves in Brazil. remember seeing that picture and there were the trucks that were carrying the bodies of people who had been lost in the, in the, uh, in the pandemic. And there, were, there was sadness and there was a grief. And tears came into her eyes and she looked at the TV and she pointed to it and she looked at her pastor and she said, tell me, pastor, tell me if you can, where is God in all of this? Well, about that time, the scene on the TV set changed. And It showed a hospital scene with a medical team, doctors and nurses and orderlies wheeling a woman down the hall to a room where she could hopefully get care and treatment. And then it changed to the picture of a truck being loaded with with food, with groceries for people who were hungry because they had lost their jobs in this economic turmoil. And he showed other scenes of people helping people during the pandemic. And the pastor pointed to the screen. And he said, Susan, you want to know where God is? There's God. There goes God now. And it's true. Because God works through his people. God comes to us in many ways. He came to the people of Israel through Moses. Moses through the prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah and the others. He came and he manifested his spirit through human beings. He always comes that way. And if you look around and if you open your life to those friends and members of the family and people who are doing caring things, kind things, you'll find God. That's where God is. But now another word needs to be added to that. There's another thing that needs to be said. You Remember, they didn't recognize Jesus at first as he was coming to them on the water. They thought it was a ghost. And Peter said, Lord, if it's really you, if it's really you, then command me to come to you. And Jesus said, come. Come. And Peter started out and he kept his eyes on Jesus and as long as he did, He was doing fine. As long as he kept his eyes on the way, on Jesus, he did fine. But then he got distracted and he began to sink in the water. You know, there's a great message here too, and it's the other side of the coin, really. Because just as Jesus comes to us through the other, he uses us to go to the other. He says to us, come, come and join me. And when we listen to Him and when we follow the urging of His Spirit, the urging of His Spirit, the dream that He gives us, when we follow that and walk in His path, oh, we can walk on water to do the things and miracles that He wants us to accomplish. God wants to use you, my friend. He wants to use you in doing His work as He will use others to bring you comfort. You know, We need a dream. We need people to be great dreamers in this world. I always think of of that great sermon that Martin Luther King Jr. preached. Oh, he was 1963. And if you you weren't there, if you're not old enough to, to remember that, you certainly have heard about this sermon. It was a sermon that motivated people during the days of the Civil Rights Movement, the early days of that movement. One of the great sermons of all time, I think but there's a good story behind it. Martin Luther, there was a march on Washington. It was in August of 1963, and Luther, Martin Luther King was going to, to, to speak to that big group of people. I think there were like 250,000 of them there, and uh, one of his aides told him not to talk about his dream. Now, he had a dream, and he'd shared that with some people in smaller meetings. But his aide said, no, you're going to be addressing a lot of people, and that's a little trite. You don't need to talk about that. So he prepared his, his uh, sermon. The next day as he got up, he began to read it. And it sounded more like a lecture than a sermon, people say. And it wasn't really resonating with the people who were there. But then a voice came. A voice came from the crowd, Martin. Martin, tell him about the dream. It was the voice of Mahalia Jackson, the 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 uh, the great the the queen of of gospel. She was in that crowd and she had heard she had heard Luther uh, Martin Luther King talk about that dream, and she called out to him, and that did it. They say that. Martin Luther King pushed aside the notes that he had, and somebody who was sitting on the platform with him said, Those people out there don't know it yet, but they're about to go to church. And, uh, and they did. He took them to church, and he took the whole world to church, really. Remember the words to that, to that sermon? I'm not going to preach the sermon to you, but listen to what he said. Listen to this. This was a dream. He said, even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It's a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted and every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain And the crooked places will be made straight. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. That was his dream. And it inspired millions. inspired that movement. Now what kind of dream has God given you? Haven't you ever felt that inner urging of the Spirit to do something kind, to do something loving with your life that would make a difference? God's calling us, my friends calling us to be all that we can be, to do all that we can do. Let me just share this with you. Roy Nichols was one of the great African-American bishops of the United Methodist Church, and I heard him speak at pastor pastor's school in Macon one year. I'll never forget a story he told it was about when he was a child and he would visit his grandma visit his grandmother she lived out in the country and she had a, her church was a little small country church and he said whenever he'd visit her on sunday she'd take him to church and it was one of those churches where people felt their religion He said not not only would they shout amen and hallelujah and they would do that, but he said they'd get so excited they'd jump up and down and even dance in the aisles occasionally. And he got worried because his grandma never did that. Oh, she'd she'd give the amens and the hallelujahs and the praise God's but uh, he began to worry that maybe she didn't have the spirit, and so he asked her about it. He said, Grandma, he said, all these other folks, when they, when they get the spirit, they jump up and down, and they, they dance in the aisles, and you don't do that. He said, I'm worried about you. He said, I'll never forget what she said to me. He said, she, she put her hand on my shoulder, and she looked me in the eye, and she said, Sonny, it ain't how high you jump that counts. It's where you go and what you do after you hit the ground. And that's true. The important thing for us is to hear the word of God, to feel the urging of the spirit, and then to respond to it. And if we do that, God will use us as he uses others to come to us. And the world will become a better place because of it. you pray with me? Kind Father, we give you thanks for all the blessings of life. Yes, we have troubles and we have to face them as adults, adult children in this world. But Lord God, we know that you're with us, that you'll always be there because we feel the love. We know it. And we pray that you would also take our lives and that you would use them for your work. In the name and in the spirit of Jesus our Lord we pray. Amen.